Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President of Professional and Educational Development at the University of Louisville's Health Sciences Center. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Professional and Educational Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Health Professions Education. Once a week, we'll come together and use this podcast to bring professional and educational development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Welcome to Faculty Feed, everyone. Boy, you're in for a treat today. We have two of our recent graduates of the Liam program, the Leadership and Innovation in Academics Matter program. And we have with us today in the studio Dr. Kerry Marks and Dr. Jessica Klein. Jess, tell us who you are. I'm Jess Klein. I'm an OBGYN generalist physician. I have been on faculty here at the university for about four years now. I was a medical student here before that and then did my residency training elsewhere. I am an elder millennial, not to completely date myself, so I like am someone who spends plenty of time on social media uh, daily, and that's uh, something that made this particular project interesting to me because I figured I could fold in a, uh, an educational slash work project into something that I'm kind of already doing. Carrie, what about you? I'm Carrie Marks. I joined with the group in 2015. I moved here from the University of Vermont where I did my fellowship. So it was quite a move, but this is home for me, so I wanted to come back home. Um, I joined Norton Children's in 2015 and then joined the faculty at U of L in 2020 once the departments merged together. So you're a neonatologist? I'm a neonatologist and I am the director of our neo NICU neurology unit. I run that collaboration with the pediatric neurology department. You guys might be wondering, why do we have these two ladies here to talk about a project they did with Liam? Well, let me, let me just tell you. Their project was focused on improving learner engagement, something you know, that's incredibly important for real learning to happen. But they chose to do it through social media, specifically, as Jess mentioned, Twitter. They did a cross-departmental effort to unify the School of Medicine's presence with new resident recruits. Part of every Liam uh, cohort, we ask them to work in teams of five or six to work on a very specific project using an innovative approach to solving a problem around medical education. And so with that introduction, Jess. Tell us what you did. So Carrie and I were in the group together and we were looking through kind of options and prompts that you all gave us and we both kind of gravitated towards the social media kind of project opportunity. Um, Carrie and I both have uh, social media roles within our positions uh, too, so that I think is kind of why that spoke to us. For me, I so I'm also the associate residency program director for our OBGYN residency program, and I run a like departmental Instagram and a departmental Twitter account for the uh, residency program. So uh, both of those are venues for where we share what our department and our residents are doing in terms of research, in terms of participation in uh, conferences and things like that. Um, but also, it's it's become a really big um, kind of community builder among the residents, and also a big recruitment tool now that all of our OBGYN residency interviews are virtual. So um, it's, it's a great way for uh, prospective residents to become familiar with kind of the cultural uh, aspects of the program. Um, and so that's something that 
I spend a lot of time on in my role. And Carrie, do you want to kind of talk about your role? Hers is a little bit different. So we, we were able to come at this with two different sets of skills and experiences. Sure. So I was already active on Twitter and it was a recent thing before the project as well. But I came on um, through encouragement from Norton as the Twitter champion for the NICU at Norton Children's. And so we're we were already trying to engage um, faculty and activity on Twitter. I do that through my personal account, which is at Carrie Marks MD. And then I'm often retweeted and things with support from the hospital and as well as UofL Department of Pediatrics. So um, that was a new endeavor for, for me. And then Jess and I came together and we really wanted to see if we could use social media to enhance education endeavors um, by using um, our accounts that were already active. And so that's really where it started. Our our goal was how do we get to the learners, but we really had to take a big step back because yes. we realized <laughs> in order to get to the learners, we needed the faculty to be active on social media. So then our project really became how do we engage faculty members on social media and specific to Twitter um, so that we can then move this forward and, and um, use it for an educational tool. So of all the social media venues that are available, why Twitter as opposed to anything else? Mostly because Carrie's position using Twitter is is more official. She has that working knowledge of all the metrics that Twitter offers and um, the just the bigger knowledge of the platform. I've historically, like mine has been more informal and kind of just a little self-built, but based on what's out there um, with OBGYN residency programs, and that's been mostly on Instagram. So I've not been someone who personally used Twitter a whole lot before this. I just kind of like conscientiously objected and <laughs> used my <laughs> used my social media scrolling time on other venues. Um, but I've, I've really liked getting to use it more, and I've started using my own personal Twitter and our department Twitter a lot more through this. We knew we could pull metrics from Twitter, such as looking at our activities of our post, as well as our impact of our post. And I know you can do that through Instagram, but I wasn't as familiar with that. And we knew exactly how to do it with Twitter. So that's one reason why. The other reason was I feel that there's, there is a strong academic presence on Twitter. Um, once I joined with really an academic mission, um, I follow mostly physicians or journals um, so it became kind of an academic community for me already, and I knew that that existed. And so we wanted to kind of tap into that as well as being able to pull our, our reports from our Twitter to see how we were doing. So what about the overall structure of the project? Can you give, give us a sense of how did you set it up? Our like aim, aside from Liam, was to enhance learner engagement through the use of social media, learner engagement within the health sciences campus. So our group was made up of four faculty physicians, and we all kind of realized that there was just this gap that needed to be filled that in order to really get learners engaged, just like Carrie said, we needed to get the faculty engaged. So we, we started by looking at what was out there and what was going on already. The pediatrics department is actually a wonderful model. They um, are, are very active uh, on Twitter and um, you know, seeing more and more that that existed, we, we started by kind of just identifying accounts that existed and we decided that a good way to do that would be to unify them. So I was gonna ask, so what are, were the, uh, so we have OB, we have the NICU and PEDS. So what were the other member teams? What were their affiliation? We had uh, family medicine and radiology. Your other team members, did they have any social media experience coming in or was this like a big learning curve? Like Carrie was like, 
the knowledge disseminator of, of Twitter. Yeah, I think that they were their accounts were relatively new um, with this project, and and I was still relatively new as well. But I did have a few hundred followers when we started the project, so I was a little bit more established. But really, for all of us, it was, it was somewhat of a new adventure going through Twitter. Yeah. Um, but I would say, I guess Jess and I had the strongest accounts. When we were designing our project, we were at a little bit of a loss for how to move this forward. And our Liam meeting came right after ACOG's National Wellness Week, which is a social media push um, that happened in February. And um, my resident, so I I created like this uh, quantitative wellness uh, contest on Instagram for our residents that they just took and ran with. And I recognized that quantity of wellness posts does not actually reflect wellness, but I made a quantitative contest. So that's what it was. And (laughs) they (laughs) went insane and really um, just like posted a lot, a lot of stories and were really engaged with it. And I was like, okay, this national wellness week that is a social media push in the OBGYN community really engaged my learners. So what is some other event that could engage learners, not with just OBGYN, but with our entire medical community here in the HSC? What we landed on that was coming up next was match day. So residency match day, third week or so of March, um, when all of the fourth year medical students who have been interviewing for all these residency programs for months at a time finally go through the algorithm and programs learn what residents are going to be matching with them the residents learn where they're matching so no one actually meets that day but there's a lot of welcoming happening in terms of phone calls and now in more recent years with twitter and instagram just social media welcoming as well so we thought that this would be a great opportunity to work with just had the great idea of making a match day hashtag so that's what we did we created a hashtag u of l match madness yes because i'm also event. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> and we um we set this event out through twitter as well as through some known twitter accounts that we had uh access to <clears throat> the liam uh and the faculty development uh were very helpful in, in helping us promote that as well and we also sent emails through our departments, asking faculty to engage in our hashtag Twitter activity to share their match day stories. And then we left it with that to see what we would get. Um, And we were somewhat surprised at our results. I think we had like 100 individual tweets and a lot more than that retweets. And ultimately, we used tweetbinder.com, which is a Twitter metrics website. Um, And it was free and it was really great to use. And the report they gave was very visually pleasing. So... What did you hope to accomplish by focusing it on match day? You've got, you've got different camps. You've got the students who are now mm-hmm. being accepted. So that's one group there. You've got some amount of faculty in these departments. And so why would the students have engaged in this? What, what was in it for them? Just celebrations. Okay. I think. I, I, and I may be speaking for myself as this elder millennial, I feel like we were like shepherded every, every stage of our, our professional development were shepherded through with all these like welcome orientations and like, this is your cohort that you're with through this. And, um, and so I think the, um, the match day welcome is a, uh, just one of, one of those that, that people have the expectation will be there mostly just hoping to like go ahead and like build a strong culture and online community from the jump with this class of residents that we hopefully we can carry forward in future years um, and have them engaged, have them start following and liking our Twitter accounts and hopefully using this hashtag with the, those engagement posts to um, 
just get them involved from the beginning so that we can like reach out to them and have them familiarize them with our program if they weren't already um, at that point. So they're four months before they would physically arrive. Correct. Yeah. So they're not actually going to get to us until very late June. So that's a way to hook them into the programs here, but also to hook them to each other Mm -hmm. so that they now know who the other OBGYN residents of July of 22 we're going to be and they have four months to start to get to know each other rather than the week before you start work i also thought it was it was kind of neat to see the faculty linked together because uh, we had 10 different um, departments that ended up participating and then they started following each other as well and i think before that some of those connections hadn't happened yet yeah and so it just created a bigger network for us um, at the School of Medicine. One of the things we build into the Liam Team projects is to use an approach called enterprise design thinking, which is a way to at least surface innovative ways to think about solving problems. Now, so many times when we try to solve a problem, our first solution, uh, put that one in quotes, might not be the best answer. And, and enterprise design thinking is simply a process by surfacing potential solutions, testing them in some way, finding out if it works or not, if it doesn't work, change it, do it again, and being willing to let those things flow through so that ultimately you come up with a better solution than you started with. What did you learn as a, as a result of this? What did you take away from it? How big our impact was, just based on what in our eyes are, are very small Twitter accounts that we have that seem insignificant. Mm -hmm. And between the two events that we made, we had an, it was uh, over 50,000 potential impacts impacts on Twitter. So what is, I got to ask, what's a potential impact? So it's a, a, a potential for somebody to have seen and recognized us on Twitter. That sounds like a lot. It's a lot. Between like four four small, you know, Twitter accounts that um, that are relatively new, um, we were able, we were shocked. And so it really is eye opening of what we can do as far as establishing our inner department relationship, but also on a national level of our education and what we're doing at U of L. When you post those things and tag the right departments and use the hashtags in a smart way, you can really get yourself out there and get our name out there. As well as, um, in addition to that, forming these relationships and then us being able to start using this more as a platform for our learners. So it has a lot of a lot of great things that can come out of it. And so, I think that's what I learned. Absolutely. And I'll give an example of that. So in May, our OBGYN department did a joint grand rounds with the anesthesia department. And we work together with anesthesiologists all the time. Like we are colleagues 100% of the time, same with neonatology, um, but just hadn't had a lot of engagement on social media. And um, when Dr. William, Dr. Kate Williams and I did this joint um, grand rounds, we also were, and, and she runs their departments, uh, the anesthesiology department, social media accounts. So we were able to, you know, uh, show like post about that on our, uh, accounts and, and just kind of engage our learners and our faculty together about that. We had pretty good activity surrounding those posts too. So I was, uh, pleased with that. So it sounds like you just scratched the surface of the yes. potential that, <laughs> Very much so. that something like Twitter, if it's not Twitter, something like Twitter mm-hmm. could could play in this. I'm curious, do you see any upstream role of the Twitter? So you, you intervened at Match Day, mm-hmm. but by that time, 
they've already been run through the computers algorithms and, and know where they're going to end up. Is there any value you think in using Twitter in the three or four months before then when they're still interviewing for programs? Is there would they change how they rank your program if Twitter intervened with them for four months? Or is that, is that an illegal thing to do now with interviewing resident yeah. applicants? It's really touchy. I think that's something that we make very clear about um, uh, during those, like during ACOG Wellness Week and during, um, like ACOG does a lot of residency feature or does a residency feature week every week, every year in the fall. And they make very clear that, um, you know, program engagement with a potential applicant or an actual applicant or an interviewee does not um, reflect positioning in our rank list or anything like that. So there's no like dirty rushing of residents, of potential residents through that uh, mechanism. But it absolutely is a way to like showcase our community, to engage other learners with our community, whether they're potential applicants or potential residents or not. And yeah, I absolutely think that it is um, a recruitment point and something that uh, like a social media presence and a culture displayed on social media would be a way that a learner might choose to rank a certain program higher than another. I think that's very true in OBGYN. I don't have a lot of experience with other um, specialty programs. So it sounds like it's not prohibited if you had some engagement about either the city or the school or something like that. So uh, the reason I ask is uh, recruitment season begins within a month for most programs (laughs) (laughs) and so and generally is over by December. So if you're going to do something like that like this week is the time to, to begin that, right? Is there a plan to do anything like that through your departments now? We have some ideas of what we want to do in the future. And I also think one thing that we've learned is that the younger generation uses Instagram a lot. And so even though we're active on Instagram, we may need to move some of this work over to Instagram and off of Twitter. Um, and, and we now have learned how to pull analytics from Instagram as well. So we'll be able to really use both platforms, I think. Um, and that will help I, with, with this season and, and strengthening some of our I ask because programs. my 24-year-old my son, who's near in age to the age of these resident applicants you'll be dealing with, looks at me funny when I say Twitter. He says that's like for mom to look yeah. at pictures of her cousin's grandkids kind of stuff. And there's no way he would touch Twitter. Yeah. But Instagram is something that he's involved yeah. in. So maybe the platform has to be rethought. So I think for OBGYN, specifically academics is big on Twitter, but culture of programs is, and departments is big on Instagram. Like okay. you kind of see two different aspects. Could you do both? Yes. We do. That's why we, I mean, that's okay. why that's we why you have, have to. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Um, and so that, you know, that's definitely one phenomenon. That's exactly what we're seeing in PEDS too. Yeah. The academic, you know, where, where are you going for the newest news of your yes. field? What's, what's been published this week? You know, what's the conversation that's on Twitter? What, what are the residents and the fellows doing in their daily life? What do things look like? That's on Instagram. Because yeah. yeah, we had someone. Well, we had Josh Kurtz. Josh Kurtz. Yes, we had Josh Kurtz on the show, oh, early on. It was probably almost a year ago now, um, where he talked about what he was, you know, creating tweetatorials and, you know, doing some education uh, around his specialty, which is in peds cardiology. Um and his work that he did on Twitter and just the idea of trying to, you know, just like what you said, get information out there. And I could see where, you know, the younger crowd would be more 
interested in looking at Instagram. But yeah, so really you could use both. They really have different purposes, it sounds like. I did make a TikTok this season. Ah, for I didn't make a TikTok tell video. Us about I made that? a TikTok account okay. to reshare a TikTok video <laughs> from our um, okay. JCPS Central High School Pipeline Program okay. um, that's recently partnered with UofL Health, which is very cool and a whole topic for another podcast. Sounds okay. like podcast it, perhaps. yeah. But I was trying to not get on TikTok in order to spare my own time. Right. And so now I have a TikTok that I use to reshare <laughs> this one thing. And so that that also, I think, is something that's growing in terms of um, what people are creating. But content creation is a big time commitment. So it's... Um, really? We, yeah. we don't know anything about that. <laughs> Our job is content creation. Right. So it, it takes a lot of time, yes. Preaching to the choir. Um, so yeah, so I, I think there will undoubtedly be more venues that continue to crop up as as the years go by with us too, and we'll have to continue to see what our audience is using and modify. So you could think it might be a fad or a phase, but social media is here, and like it or not, the younger people are intensely involved in this, and much of their communication, maybe maybe much of their education, is starting to happen in that way. And what Carrie, what you're telling us is that faculty can learn as well because articles start to fall in front of you. And well, okay, I'll go ahead and read it. Whereas you might have otherwise had to go find the journal and sit down and read it. Now it's being pushed to you by someone. And so social media is here. Social media has value. Podcasts are, are defined almost as very passive learning opportunities where we could just sit and listen to it. And so at the end of every one of our sessions, we want to leave the listeners with something that you tell them they ought to do in the week after they listen to this podcast. So Carrie, what would that be for you? I would ask for the faculty members that are listening to make a Twitter account. It's very easy. It doesn't, you don't have to run your department's Twitter account like Jess does. Just make your own academic, with an, with an academic mindset that this is going to be used for work with your personal name um, and make, make your Twitter account and start following people in your field. They'll start coming into your inbox. It's very easy to find the people, um, but make the account. And then I'm asking in the first week for you to make your first post. It can feel a little strange. It can feel a little funny. And Twitter is a little bit different, so you do have to get used to it. But make a post, maybe pose a question, and tag some of the people that you're following in your field. See if you can get a conversation started. Specifically, I would ask that you try to connect uh, with other colleagues locally here so that we can build our UofL School of Medicine Health Sciences campus network. Um, so it will pop up in your feeds like people you might know or based on your follows, you might want to follow these accounts. Um, get your followers like build the build your follow and your following will build after that and then we'll be able to engage as a community even more. I've just got to tell the story of me and LinkedIn. So oh. Stacy knows how I resisted all of oh, this yeah. for how many years? I've known a you for long six years. Time. Yeah, for like five of those six years. And so we finally accepted that social media has to be a part of what we do in terms of faculty development, especially for younger faculty. And so we divided up the sort of social media world, and Stacy does Twitter. I do LinkedIn. Doesn't keep her out of LinkedIn, but I, I own you know, the responsibility for at least weekly going in and putting something into LinkedIn. And it's not nearly as hard as I thought it would be. 
I'm not a young guy, but it's readily doable. I learned what a hashtag is and how to tag people. And I learned what works and what doesn't based on impressions that, that pop up. And so I'm telling the people listening, if I can do it, you can do it. So do what Kerry said, open your Twitter account, and just post something next week. That's the real challenge. I love it. That's great. And if you would like to follow us here, we are at HSC Fact Dev. So F-A-C-D-E-V. And we'll uh, be excited to connect with you. Jess Kerry, thank you so much for joining us on Faculty Feed. Thank you for Feed. having us. It was a lot of fun. Join us next week when we talk with David Ayler and Kent Gardner from the Academic Technology Office at the School of Medicine. They're going to share some post-pandemic information about information technology and how to improve your teaching, especially in the hybrid classroom. And you won't want to miss their discussion about virtual reality and augmented reality in health professions education. If you want to up your game or enhance your skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be. As together, we strive to make the University of Louisville a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to discover and connect. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional resources about today's episode. And feel free to contact us at factfeed at louisville.edu. That's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.